0: If you want to uh, turn in your Bibles tonight, I'm going to be speaking out of Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians two, and Romans chapter one, Ephesians two and Romans one. I had a wonderful time at the conference. Amen? Amen. Anybody else? My God, that was awesome. It was such a amazing time for me. And while we were at the men's retreat, I was meditating on everything that the Lord had said, and I begin to see that there was just kind of one single thread. ...that was going all throughout the entire conference. So if you missed it, here's the highlight clips, okay? And this is not what I'm preaching tonight, but this is the message that God gave f ...from when the conference started all the way until this evening. Here we go. Curtis McGee, he spoke about a revelation of redemption. Israel had no idea what was going on when Moses went up the mountain... They thought that God had abandoned them, but all the while God was bringing them to a place of redemption and he was calling them to be a revelation of redemption for all people. Amanda Middleton, ladies, when we decide to follow after God to get that revelation of redemption, the attacks are going to come, but God sees us, prayer carries us through it all, and the victory will come as we wait on him. Amen. Jerry Jenkins, woundings come as the Lord cuts things out of our life, as we're made into that revelation of redemption, but never put up walls to protect yourself during that process. We need the body as the Lord rolls away the flesh from our lives. Lee ship, wholeness is brokenness. When I'm in that process of circumcision, I'm weak. And so God is strong in my life. So get in the game and gut it out. Because there's so little time left. And the church is necessary for God to demonstrate to this world his redemption. We are his body. You are a part of it. So you are necessary for God's redemptive plan to be accomplished. Hallelujah. Aaron Tremble. Men, the devil doesn't want you to be used of God. So he tries to get you to think that redemption is impossible. But we live in the realm of the impossible. And the Lord is a man of war. If you can't be David, be a Jonathan. If you can't be Jonathan, be an armor bearer. Let the spirit of the Lord rise up within you and make you into a warrior. You were born for this hour. Are you seeing a thread? Carter Conlon. Isaiah said, send me with your message of redemption. Even though he knew he was the most unqualified person in the room. That little boy at least had a fish sandwich to give to Jesus. But I don't even have that. So God, if you can use nothing then I give you nothing, nothing, just a heart that wants you. So don't worry about your ability, church. God used a shepherd with a stick and a one-line sermon to rescue an entire nation. Hannah prayed a voiceless prayer, and from that came a voice that governed the nation for 40 years. 120 failures climbed the steps to the upper room, and that first church turned the world upside down because they had a surrendered heart. Terry Fisher You must get a revelation of Christ if you're going to be used by Christ. You must know that it's him, not you. God has a revelation for you. However, that revelation is not automatic. It must be sought after. Carter Conlon again, you are God's ridiculous plan. He needs a barren womb so that he can produce the voice. He needs two old men to stand before Pharaoh. He needs a teenage boy to win the greatest victory with a sling and a stone. All of this is so encouraging. I know that I'm called. And I know that even though I can't do it, God can. So I'm going to seek you, Lord. I want to touch you with all of my heart. Not for ministry, not for gifts, but for you. I don't want your hand. I want your face. Because unless you go, I'm not going. Andrew Wilkes, the king has called you. So don't build up treasure on the earth. Don't waste your time building your dreams. Build the dream of God. Shedrick Winfield, get rid of the hindrances in your life, the things that are keeping you from being everything God wants you to be. He loves you, so love him back, and you will become a revelation of redemption. This message was given by nine preachers in ten sermons over the last, what, two weeks? Did you hear the message? I know that each one of us are at an individual place. Because we're individual members of the body of Christ. And so God feeds us where we're at, right? He provides what we need. But God has spoken to this body. He's spoken to this church. He wants to use this church. And He is calling us to be a revelation of the goodness of God. A revelation of redemption. So that the lost, the hurting, and the broken can come to know Him in His fullness. Hallelujah. October 24th, Friendship Sunday is coming. We will face trials along the way, so we need to pray. We will be wounded, but it's necessary. So don't let the devil knock you out by building walls around you and taking offenses. Stay humble. Seek God. Get the revelation. Allow God to make you into what he has shown you as you have sought him. And don't allow sin to hinder the process that he's doing in your life. There's great days ahead of us, FNT. t God has spoken to us. Now we must follow after and believe him. And that takes what Felix spoke about tonight, faith. Faith. When God speaks to you and gives you revelation, you become a steward of that. Whatever he's spoken to you, you become a steward of that thing. To whom much is given, much is required. And we owe the world a revelation of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about that faith tonight. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Verse eight, of Ephesians chapter two: For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. Turning over to Romans now, chapter one, we're going to start at fourteen. I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then turning over to Romans 10. Romans 10 and verse 17. We all know this one. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, faith is one of the most important attributes in the life of the believer. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if we come to God, we we must come to God knowing that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Now, that scripture can be very frustrating to people that understand what's been spoken to our church, understands what has been spoken to us individually, and yet we cannot seem to make the promises of God work in our life. Very frustrating at times. So certain questions have to be settled. I've come up with three. Number one, do I know the difference between faith and hope? Have you thought about that? What's the difference between faith and hope? I'll tell you what it is. The difference between faith and hope is this. Hope is when you open the Bible and you just read it and you go, I'm going to try to make that work in my life. I'm going to put pressure on the word so that it'll work in my life, right? I'm going to believe that. That's hope. Faith is what Terry Fisher was talking about. When you're reading that word of God, and God speaks to you by His Spirit, through His word, and you get a revelation of Christ. He speaks to your heart, and you know it. There's no guessing. You absolutely know that the Lord has spoken to you. Now comes faith, because you've got to believe that word. You've got to believe it. Joseph had those dreams. He knew it was God. Come a walk of faith now. Abraham heard from God. 25 year walk of faith in order to get Isaac. So second question is, that's the difference. Second question is, did God really speak to us? Has God really spoken to you? Individually, collectively, has he spoken? I believe that he has. As I've said, all those messages flowed into one. And I thought about doing that tonight, just putting it together and preach that message because it's awesome. Awesome. It really is awesome. Get, go back and listen to those tapes on the, on the whatever, YouTube. It's amazing. And it's incredible because those men and Amanda, precious woman, they never got together and formed a little meeting, you know, and figured out, what are you going to preach? Oh, I'm going to build on that, you know, and we're just going to have this one single theme that we're going to get. no. It didn't work that way at all. They were just led by the Spirit of God and the Lord spoke to our body. Amen? So that leads to one final question. Do I believe that God is going to do it? Or am I depending on myself to try to make something happen? Or if I just don't believe any of it and it was a great conference and I'm just going to go back to do what I was doing before and I'm just going to stay the same because I never change. Some people boast in that, you know, I never change. I'm like, my word. Why not? Why aren't you moving on this timeline to be more like Christ? Why aren't you growing in the things of the Lord? In the scripture we just read, notice two things were said about faith. Number one, it's the gift of God. Number two, it comes to us. It's not something that we work up in our own mind. It's not something that we convince ourselves of. It comes to us as a gift from God Almighty. By grace you are saved through faith. That means that if you're born again, you have faith. I know a lot of us. You know, I like to ask people, "How'd you get born again?" Well, I don't really have a little. I don't really have a testimony. You know, I just got. I said the sinner's prayer at two years old, or I came out of the womb just quoting the sinner's prayer, and I mean, I've just been in the church ever since. And some people say that, and then they're like, "I don't have a testimony." I'm like, "Are you kidding? How did you get through adolescence?" Tell me that part of the story. They forget that your testimony is not just. I know in testimony class and sharing with people, if you're going out to LSU, you gotta. You know, you're writing your thing with Wendy you got to get it short, right? You're supposed to do three minutes or less. But really, my testimony is my entire life. How many things has He done in our lives? My God, this is amazing. The faith that saved you, the faith that filled you with the Spirit is the same faith that's in the heart of every man and woman in the Bible. It's so important that we know that. It's no different than the faith that the Apostle Paul had. It's no different than the faith that Esther had when she walked in before the king. It's no different than the father of faith Abraham had when he started all this off in the beginning. You know, when you look at Abraham, he had to be obedient to that call of God. Get up, Abraham, and and come. you're going to go to a place you don't even know where you're going. That takes faith. He didn't get it right every single time. He had failure along the road, but when you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you don't find any of that. I'm so glad that God doesn't judge me on just one single point in my life. He's looking at the whole road. Amen? But when Abraham took that first step, he already had the victory. If he'd stayed in Ur, he could have talked about how much God had spoken to him for the next 75 years, but he's going nowhere until he gets up and follows after. Amen? Faith moves people to action is what I'm saying. It lifts you out of Ur, and it sets your feet on a pathway that's leading to a heavenly kingdom, to a city whose builder and maker is God Almighty. We in this church have been given promises. You individually have been given promises. And we've been given a call to faith. So there's a choice that's laid before us. What are we going to do with, with what has been given? Are we going to stay where we are? Or are we going to move on with God? Faith is the same in every single generation. God gives it and then he expects us to exercise it. Exercise that faith. When Israel came to the border of Canaan, God said, go into the land. It's yours. They sent in the 12 spies. You know the story. 12 of them came back with a bad report. Israel had a choice to make. Stay in the desert, save yourself, or move on and watch God do mighty miracles. It looked impossible. The only way that they could do it was by faith. But they didn't do it, did they? They turned back in unbelief. Why? amnesia they forgot everything that god had just done for them that's why They forgot that the same God who led them out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea and destroyed the army of Pharaoh and rained down 640 train cars of manna every single day out in the middle of nowhere. Here he split a huge rock and out of it poured the Mississippi River. I mean, if there was really three million people, it's not like the little Sunday school flannel graphs, you know, where it's a little, it's like a little hose coming out. You know, my son's in the backyard. I'm like, no way. That thing was a gusher. That was the Gihon just dumping out. I mean, all those people, all their animals, they got to bathe in that thing wash their pots it wasn't some little hose of water folks god did the impossible He was a cloud by day a fire by night he told them while they were still in egypt that he was going to give them the land before they even started and this was the same god who was with them when the 10 spies brought back a bad report it's incredible that they allowed fear to just rise up unbelief to just rise up within them and dominate their lives it robbed them of the promises of god For that generation. And every single person, 30 years and under, all of the unbelief and those people had to die, or over, that is, had to die in the wilderness. Two men made it in. Out of 650,000 foot soldiers, Israel men, just the men alone, who left Egypt, two made it in because of unbelief. That's challenging. Moses himself never crossed that river. They turned back. They refused to cross it. And all the unbelief had to die in the wilderness. They had a choice to make and it was really simple. Am I going to stay in myself? Or am I going to stay in God? And that choice is before us tonight. Faith makes a heavenly people in every single age. A heavenly people And it has the same effect all through history. It reaches the promises of God. God doesn't hang a carrot in front of us just out of reach so that we'll never attain unto what he's called us to or what he's promised. Ever. You know he's a good, good father. You know that he knows how to give good gifts to his children. Do you know that if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone? If you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you some cottonmouth snake? He's a good, good Father. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. Love Him back. Believe Him. He's spoken to us. It's time for action on our part. Faith came alive in the new creation when we were born again. But doubt and unbelief still resides in that Adamic nature, that old nature that I have. It's still there. And I must touch God in prayer every single day. Like Sister Amanda was telling the ladies, I have to, I have to renew that because even though faith is a gift of God, it's got to be renewed. And if I don't spend time in his presence, if I don't spend time praying, if I don't spend time in his word, it's not going to be renewed. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we don't spend time with him, then that faith just begins to turn into hope and hope deferred makes the heart sick not going to work for us. There's always going to be the pressure of the world against us. I felt it in the service tonight. Andrew came up to me and said, let's pray, man. The enemy's trying to hinder this praise and worship service. Did you feel it? It's a hindrance. It's a hindrance. Fits perfect with my message. Of course there's a hindrance because the devil knows what the Lord has spoken to this church and he wants to know what are we going to do. The things that he attacked us with last time worked. So he hits it with us, hits that in our life again. If I can get them to think this, they're not going to get to the promise of God. If I can get them to think that, they're never going to wait before the Lord in prayer. Well, that alarm goes off at two o'clock in the morning, you ain't getting up. The devil's there. Fear is there. Unbelief is there. It's possible to believe a thing with our head, but our heart doesn't follow after. That's hope. That ain't faith. We can become so distracted with this rotten world and have so much pressure from the flesh in our lives that we quit praying, quit reading, and we lose sight of the fact that God is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's the whole entire tactic of the enemy in our life. And I want to expose that tonight to you. And hopefully pull the rug off of that and let you see what's really going on. You know, the scripture says that at the end of the age, the rug's going to re-rip back and we're going to see him as the cockroach that he is and we're going to say, is this the one that terrorized the nations? Really? That's what I lost out on because of that? Don't allow the enemy to steal things from you. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. Another danger is allowing things in my life that restrict the spirit of God from flowing. Brother Shedrick preached all about that was beautiful just speaking about that faith killer things that stand in the the way of us seeing jesus believing that he is and that he's a rewarder of those you know when the angel spoke to mary she had no idea how it was all going to work you're highly favored amongst women all this is going to happen and she's like what she asked a few questions and finally she just surrendered to it didn't she And I'm adding to it now, but it's almost like she said, I don't understand any of this. But then the the record is, be it unto me according to your word. And at that moment, I believe the living seed of Christ was planted in her womb and began to grow. She carried that child for nine and a half, ten months, whatever it is, 40 weeks. That child is born. She takes care of him. He's still growing. And he's growing and growing and growing up into a mature man. And it's the same with you and I. The messenger comes. You heard faith was awakened in your heart. You heard the gospel. Faith faith was awakened. God gives you that as a gift. I don't understand everything about this Christianity. Be it unto me according to this word. In that moment, that Christ is placed within you. begins to grow. You begin to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. But we have to feed that We have to feed that new nature. What does he eat? He eats the word of God. What does he love to do? He loves to spend time in the presence of God. He loves to pray for one another. As our brother was saying tonight, he loves to worship. Get strong there. He loves to fast. Oh, don't shout me down. But we need to bring that spiritual man before God. Present him before the Lord. And have an expectancy that me, spending time at this altar, spending time with this body, spending time in this Word of God, spending time driving to work every day, just putting on that praise or, and, and singing with the Lord, and everybody else thinks you're crazy if your windows don't have limo tint on them, that's feeding that spiritual man. I'm in the Word. I'm believing that God is. I know that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And I've got an expectation in my heart, because God's spoken to me, and what He said is going to come to pass as I wait upon Him. Amen? Amen? As we go through all of that, God begins to reveal things in our life. And there's a cutting, like Brother Jared was saying, and, and sometimes we feel, oh my word, I'm not worthy for the promise of God. Well, you never were in the first place. God is not looking for some excuse to throw you out of his family. Conviction is so wonderful because you know what it really is? It's God saying, I want to take these things, just these weights. Sometimes it's deep sin sometimes it's just it's just weights. I just want to take these weights off of your life so that you can just soar in the heavenlies with me because I love you and I want to be in covenant with you you know I've been studying the book of Leviticus and I was talking with some of the guys at the retreat about this and you know there's there's rules right it's just a book of laws and and you you look at the uh the law, the lady has a child and then she can't go to the temple for seven days. And people are like, see, because the the commentaries, see, because she's under the curse and she just had this child and now she's banned from the temple. Wait a minute. If I know that the plan of God is a straight line through the ages, and if I know that Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world, and if I know that the Messiah was always in the mind of God and the church was always in the mind of God, then I know that What was spoken back then is a picture of what is going on in the New Testament. And what do I find in the New Testament? I find Jesus saying, if you would just come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your souls. And then I go back to Leviticus and I read that and I'm like, wait a minute. God loves her. God loves this woman. Could it be that she Isn't going to the temple because God's saying, I love you. And you've just been through this horrific thing because of the curse. And because of that, I want you to stay home and rest. And I want you to be with your child, this new gift that's such a joy to your life. And you're not required to come up right now, just rest. I love you. You're my daughter. And I'm like, wow, that is just incredible. And you just begin to see that the entire point of God has always been for covenant with his people. Relationship, intimacy. And that's what he desires. And yet we hold on to these weights. We hold on to these hindrances because we think that somehow God's judging us because suddenly he discovered that they're there. He always knew. You've just found out. He finally put his finger on this thing. You know, if you've got a river with the dam holding back, the water from flowing, you can command that river to flow like the charismatics do. You can beg it to flow like the Baptists do. i worked with them for a lot of years. But if you would just blow up the dam, remove the thing from your life that's keeping the river from flowing, that river would just flow. It would just flow, folks. Allow God. To remove the restrictions from your life, Shadrach told us, and everything that God promised, the river of the Holy Spirit will produce in your life. Hallelujah. Ezekiel saw that river flowing, didn't he? Chapter 47. And verse 9 of chapter 47, Ezekiel tells us that everything that river touched, it made alive. That's what I want in my life. I want to be real. That's why the Holy Spirit comes. He doesn't come so you can speak in tongues and jump and shout and do all these crazy acrobatics. He comes to make you real. That Christ can flow through your life to people at LSU. October 16th. (laughs) You know, I don't make anything alive in my own life. I can't. He's the potter. I'm just the clay. And my job, really, my mandate as a believer is just to surrender to Him. And allow His hands to be placed upon my life. And to spin me around and around. Mold me, shape me, and form me into the image that He's creating me to be. He's the one that fills me with the water of the Spirit of God. He's the one that takes me and uses my life to be a blessing to somebody else out there. It's not dependent upon us. One thing you have, just be obedient and surrender. Surrender to the Lord. So one of the first things that real faith produces is action. Obedience towards God. If you don't obey God, you don't love God. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Love is not demonstrated by words or songs that we sing. It's demonstrated by action. If I only tell my wife that I love her and I never show her, she's not going to believe anything that I have to say. It's action, spending time with the Lord, obeying his commandments. Faith produces a submission to Christ and not an obsession with his power. And not a hunger for position. Recognition before men. David Wilkerson said, when we want his power more than we want his purity, then we make Christ a stranger amongst us. I wish I'd said that. Don't you? (laughs) Faith is the root of obedience. If you go to Dr. May, and you've got some trouble in your body or some other doctor, and you sit there and you go through everything, and they do all this x-rays and the whole nine yards, and then you don't listen to anything that they say, but you spent all that money or your insurance did, you are an idiot. But yet we do that in our Christian walk. If we don't obey, then it's just a complete waste of time. Really. Faith, which refuses to obey the commands of Christ, will never produce anything of eternal value. That man himself may be saved, yet he'll suffer great loss, says the scripture. I don't want that to be my life. What did Carver Conlon say? The crown. Throw it at his feet. Throw it at his feet. Them Frisbees just coming off. I told Felix, I think maybe that was the one thing the Catholics got right. You know, them halos. Just throw it at his feet. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Is the Lord God Almighty. Nothing's going to happen until we're willing to be changed by God through obedience. Obedience to what we know God has spoken to our life. Not guessing, not having hope. We come in here, we listen to great messages, we sing, dance, we pray. And yet so many times we have no intention of living by the prayers that we pray and the songs that we sing. That's crazy. I've seen people come into this altar, jump and shout, wave their Bible around. And six months later, you never see them again. And you just wonder, what in the world? that's not faith. It's a performance. But God is calling us to a faith that's real, to a faith that can turn the world upside down, or should I say right side up, amen? To have faith is not just a mental thing, but to believe means that I commit myself fully into his hands, and whatever he says, I do. It produces action in my life. It's a whole new life, a life of surrender, a life of Yes, Lord. I have no idea how to do it, but I'll do it, Lord. feel so ill-equipped, God. But okay, I'll do it. I don't want to go to the outreach with, with anybody. But Lord, I'll go. Oh my God, here comes Joe Allman again. No, oh, I'm getting the text messages from the apartment outreach. Joe, if you only knew, I'm not able to do it. And Joe's like, I'm just looking for Jesus to come down because I know his presence changes everything. Amen. What do you have to offer God? I love what Carter Conlon said. Absolutely nothing. But if you can use nothing, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. Only God is worthy of our total trust and obedience. Not man. I'm not asking you to submit yourself to anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ in this way. He's worthy of our total trust and obedience. A life of surrender and willingness to get in this game and and gut it out, as Pastor Lee said. And this is what real faith is all about. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where everything that we've learned, everything that God has poured into us, now He says, I'm ready to use your life for something. But it's a walk of faith. And I love the fact that the Lord never allows me to get comfortable. As many times as I've been to Pakistan, still, when I get on the airplane in Dubai, I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to hell. Because it is. You never get comfortable on the journey. If you do, I wonder if you're in the right place. So many people try to make God a genie in the bottle. We just want him to work on our behalf. Lord, if you just give me a new job, then I could give more to the church. And we get the new job, and then we get more on vacation. So incredible to me that so many people come up to me and they'll say, I'm not picking on anybody tonight, please don't hear me wrong. But they'll say, Noah, the the Lord spoke to me this, and I'm listening to them, and I know in my spirit it wasn't God. I know it's what they want. And they want it so bad that they've convinced themselves that the Lord's going to give it to them. I did that one time. There was this motorcycle I really liked. And I coveted that thing big time. And so I was like, okay, the Bible says don't don't do nothing. Let's pray about it. Okay, here we go. Lord Jesus, you know, and I have that idol in my heart. And I prayed about it with an idol in the heart. And the scripture says if you come to God with an idol in your heart, he'll answer you according to the idol. That's harsh. And so I bought the thing. You know, I spent a lot of money on that bike. Threw a leg over, going down the road. The whole thing caught on fire. The electrics was just terrible. Burned to the ground on the side of the highway. I mean, I didn't have insurance or nothing. You know, and I was angry at God because I, knew, I, I heard yes, you know. And then one day I was reading Isaiah and I read that. Is that Isaiah or Ezekiel? I didn't, anyway. I, I read that and I was like, oh my word, there's the answer. Then I got over to Obadiah, verse three. And he said, you that dwell in the cleft of the rock, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Oh, have you ever been there? Motorcycles burning underneath you is no fun. <laughs> we need to know what we're believing. is what I'm saying. We need to know what voice we're listening to. Amen. Is it just these idols in my heart that I'm hearing God on? Or if I cast down, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure heart. Let us ascend to the hill of the Lord. Why? So I don't have to listen to God t- talking to me about idols. I can come and I have clean hands, pure heart, ascend to the hill of the Lord. And I can really hear from God about what his heart is for my life, for my family's life. And I don't have to waste time and energy and lots of money watching things burn on the side of the highway. That was never God's plan in the beginning. Isn't that wonderful? Do you get what I'm saying? So much better. It's so much better way to live. So I'm going to ask you a question trying to keep this short because I've got like so much to say. I really don't, but I feel like I do. Lord help me. Here's the question, and a total honest answer is going to show you where you're at. If you're in hope over some idol, or if you're really in faith, here we go. Do you want to use God to bless your plans, or do you genuinely want to let God use you to fulfill his plans? That's the question. Let me ask you again. Do you want to use God to bless your plans? Or do you genuinely want to let Him use you to fulfill His plans? And an honest answer will show you exactly where you're at. I can tell you I want to stay humble before God because I want to be used by God. I've got one life to live. I told you a while back. And I want to live it all For the kingdom of God. I want to make sure I don't say things that the Lord didn't tell me to say. Oh, I need so much help in that way. I don't want to just have hope because I read something in a book or I heard it on TV or heard somebody else testify about it. Now I'm like, I'm going to try to make that work for my life. No, I want to spend time with the Lord. I want to become intimate with him in his presence. I want to hear his voice speak to my heart so that I can know this is a firm foundation that I can trust God to make real and manifest in my life. There's a reality to this thing. We were singing the other night about how God's written our name in the Lamb's Book of Life and I went over to Miss Joan on the way out taking my kids to the restroom and I said, Miss Joan, that's real. That's awesome. If you can't rejoice over that, man, I want real faith. Amen? Not hope. Not this. I want the substance of hope, the substance of things hoped for. That's what faith is. It's not hope. God has spoken and I can believe him. Many times real faith is attacked by fear. I got to wrap this thing up. Not just the demon of fear, but fear of the unknown. Moses had that trouble at the burning bush, didn't he? Here God tells him, get down there to Egypt, get the people out. Can you imagine? It's just insane when you read through the whole thing. You know. Conlon told it. He said, you know, here's these two old men and they're standing there before Pharaoh. How come they didn't kill him on the spot? Because they were all laughing so hard. It was so ridiculous. And you can imagine him just walking down, you know. He's been in Midian a while and people are like, hey, Mr. Moses, where are you going? Well, I'm going down to Egypt. Get the slaves out. Really? (laughs) Been in the sun too long. Where's your army? Well, I got this stick here. And uh, I got my brother. He's going to backslide on me every couple of weeks, but it's okay. He's with me. And I got this donkey that I'm, that I'm uh, riding here, and, and I'm just, uh, oh, I got one more thing. I got the word of God Almighty, and he's going to work through my life. And when you read scripture right, people all in Midian knew all about it when they came back there because AI wasn't too far away. Wasn't too far away at all. Hallelujah. Moses went and faced that devil-possessed Pharaoh. Let my people go, the one-line sermon. The river turns to blood. Flies come. Frogs come. But they'd all leave. You're right. Pray and take these things away, Moses. And this happened over a course of time. We don't know exactly how long, but ten plagues. And can you imagine? I mean, in my, the difficulties that I've faced, I can just see it. Right? He gets up every morning. and He's like, God, I cannot face this Pharaoh one more day. Because the devil would come, right, and say, Moses, you had nothing to do with the lice or the flies or the frogs. They would have come anyway. It's that time of year. That's what they teach in seminary nowadays, by the way. Oh, that river turned to blood because there was an algae bloom. It wasn't real blood. Did you taste it, Moses? It wasn't real. Never happened. And Moses was just, I can't handle this anymore. He was real. He was just a person like you and I, folks. It wasn't no superhuman faith-breathing faith dragon, you know? But the difference between him and so many believers of our time and of all time was that he never allowed the fear that he had and the doubt that he had to dominate his life. He just went anyway. He just spoke anyway. Amen? The difference between faith and unbelief is not a matter of coming to a place where you're not afraid anymore. The difference is you just get up anyway. You just go anyway. What was spoken to us at that conference and over the past couple years in this body is utterly impossible without God. I'll be the first to admit it. But faith will get us there. Not our own strength. Not our own idols. Not our own ideas. But faith. That's a gift of God. A faith that stands up on the side of God. For so many years, I'd read the scriptures and I'd think, man, God gave these people just, look at Elijah. How did he do these things? for Elisha, twice as many miracles. Look at, I mean, the bears are coming out of the woods and eating these kids. It was amazing. Not that I ever wanted to do that. Maybe I did as a young person. But, but it was just, a, it was just to watch their lives and to read about it. But yet the scripture says that you and I have a more sure word of prophecy than what they had. And a spirit that's been placed within us. And a new heart. a flesh and not of stone. A new covenant. We have such an incredible advantage in all of these things. And Terry Fisher said that we could have the revelation of all of this. If we would just get in our prayer closet and seek it out. You're facing a mountain you can't see over. You know God is able, but you are afraid. Well, you're in good company. Because every single man and woman who ever came before you and walked with God faced the exact same thing. There's two forces working there. God and the flesh. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But that doesn't mean that that fear doesn't reside in that old nature, my flesh. God speaks, we believe. That's the answer to everything. And God is not asking us you to make yourself into a revelation of redemption. He's not, but he is asking that you would believe him to make you into that. Just believe him. God said to Abraham, if you get up and get out of here, I'm going to give you the land. He got up. God gave the land. If he would have stayed, he would have never had anything, even though God spoke. So God speaking to you is not your guarantee. You've got to get up and follow after If you stay at Elam, the clouds moving on. The victory depends on what I'm going to do, who I'm going to follow. Am I going to let fear and doubt dominate my life or am I going to follow after God? If I let fear and doubt dominate, I'm going to die because I'm just going to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to move on in the things of God. The most, the most important action of a believer is faith. And without it, it is impossible to believe, to please God. Last example, and then I'm going to close. Look at Paul and Silas at Philippi. They get thrown in jail for preaching the gospel and casting the devil out of a demon-possessed girl. They've become now the revelation of redemption to the lost. And here comes the enemy. They get beaten, thrown in the prison... They're, they're put in irons, their legs and their hands are put in irons. They didn't put them in the regular prison, but the most deepest, darkest place with no light that got to that ever. And that night, here they are, they're all broken up. You imagine how their bones must have felt, the bruises on their body, the blood that's leaking out. You know, sometimes you think of the Apostle Paul, you wonder what he looked like. He just probably had the ear tore off, cauliflower ear on the other side. Broken nose. I mean, that guy endured some things. And in the darkness, it doesn't say this. This is Noah's rendition. But in the darkness, Paul whispers out to Silas, right? I'll whisper out to Henry. Henry! You know I can't sing with the hill of beans. <laughs> so why don't you start up that tune, you know? I will believe that you are strong enough in my weakness. God be lifted up. And what happened? An earthquake came. Revival broke out. And that baptistry was filled all night long with people getting born again. An incredible move of God took place in that prison. It was awesome. And that faith that was in them is the faith that's in you this evening. And I'm closing. So listen. Moses went to Egypt with the same faith that you have. Joshua stopped the sun with the same faith that you have. Daniel was in the lion's den with the same faith that you have. Silas sang himself into a revival with Paul in a filthy jail with the same faith that you and I have tonight. They'd heard from God. They had no idea how it was going to happen. They were afraid, but they never let that fear dominate their lives Sink or swim, live or die, their testimony was, I would rather die following after God, believing God, than to just stay where I'm at and letting the Lord just walk on without me. Has God spoken to your heart? Has He spoken to our church? I can tell you He has. They rose up in faith, a faith that's the gift of God. And if you're born again, that faith is in you tonight. Let it rule your life. Amen? Leave the results with God. He spoke to our entire church, and I trust that you heard him. And if you will just get up and believe him for what he said that he's going to do, then you're going to find that this faith that God has given you is going to work, and you're going to see the impossible become possible. It's not something that you work up on yourself. It's not something of your own. But this faith, this gift of the Almighty God, when you face the impossible, it is going to work. Everything that God has said to us is going to come to pass. Stand with me. And tonight in this altar, let's move into a position of faith before God. You who never come to the altar, come to the altar. Get out of the norm of what you normally do. You who always come to the altar, go up into the balcony. Get out of just the thing that you're always doing all the time and move into a new place with God. Whatever it is that he's calling you to do. Move out with God into the river. Move into the position of faith and get out of hope. There's a real faith. There's real promises. And they can be yours. If you're in a prison cell tonight, then come. Lift your hands in this altar. Worship God and allow Him to set you free in your innermost being and make it real. God bless you tonight. Let's worship Him, amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.